This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM's Malaysia Day special is presented by Masing. Good morning. You're listening to The Morning Run, and this is Spotlight. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. I'm exploring the issue of citizenship and hearing stories from people affected by the arduous process to be legally recognized as Malaysian. Dr. Hartini Zainuddin is a prominent activist championing the rights of stateless children. She's helping Vir Manjuri, the teenager whose story we featured last week, in his third and final application before he turns 21. Hartini is no stranger to the heartache of the long-drawn process to get citizenship. She faced the same setbacks in her attempt to get citizenship for her adopted daughter, Zara. Zara very recently had her application approved after years of waiting, and I spoke to Hartini about their experience navigating the process. How did you initiate the process of citizenship for your daughter, Zara? Well, the thing is, when we first started the process of um, for application for citizenship, it was really, really tough um, because we're going back six, seven years, yeah. Um, and the issue on statelessness and childhood statelessness was was not as um, widely known as it is now. I do think there has been um, sort of a, uh, an, an effort to, to, to for more people to understand and more people are aware of the issue. So when we're talking about six years ago, there weren't really um, policies and uh, rules in place to know exactly what to do um, when it came to the application of citizenship for um, foundlings, which is what my daughter was. Um, and so when the issue came up, it was difficult to even um, register for a birth certificate. So by the time we got her birth certificate and was able to put in the application for citizenship, she was already six years old. Um, and, you know, and there was, like I said, with, with foundlings, it's difficult because, you know, you need to go through the welfare department, there's police report, you got to go to court, you know, I had to go to JKM, I don't know how many times to get them to help me apply for a birth certificate because I didn't know where she was born, I didn't, there was no witnesses to say where she was born. So just getting her birth certificate alone was a struggle that took years. And what did her birth certificate say? It, her birth certificate basically says nothing. Just has a name, has me as the as a referee, um, and then you know information of by a birth mother is empty. You know, kosong, 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 kosong. Everything is kosong. No, um, no place of birth, nothing. And then the um, status is tarif kewarganan and tidak ditentukan. So it's not determined. Coming back to the citizenship process, what was the bureaucratic procedure like? In my case, I think it was a little different because I'm an activist and because I have a big mouth and, you know, I was cultivating relationships with um, the ministers and the ministry, home ministry, um, to be able to look at the the issue of statelessness and um, citizenship for a long time. It was a little different. And I actually was privileged enough to be able to ask um, people on top, um, you know, where is the status of my daughter? And people actually um, took the time within the ministry to explain to me why, you know, her citizenship was delayed, which was basically, it was delayed. <laughs> that was all they gave me. Um, they didn't have to tell me why. They still don't have to tell us why um, an application for citizenship is, is approved or not. What kind of documents were you expected to submit in support of the application? Um, you need to put in um, the adoption certificate or the birth certificate. 
Um, but usually if you're adopted, legally adopted, then you put in the adoption cert. You have to file in your police report um, to show how you how you obtain the girl, whether you've gone through court, etc. and stuff. You have to put in the court papers. Um, so, you know, I literally had custody um, of Zara till she's 18 years old, and then you you you, trans, you translate that into um, an adoption cert. You had to, you know, basically the normal stuff you have to put in um, who you are, whether you're married or not, all those different forms, those other papers. And this is, like I said, we're talking six years ago. And then, of course, there's an interview uh, process with NRD, and, you know, you have to answer questions. And, of course, Zara at that time was only five or six. And so they, you know, they ask you, like, who's your mother? And then she pointed at you. And that, those kind of questions. And then that's it. And you put in the form and you wait. Your daughter was very recently granted her citizenship. How did you find out the news? Oh, well, basically, um, I noticed um, that there were people that I knew who were slowly getting their citizenship. You don't hear anything. And everybody told me to be patient, right? But, you know, it's kind of difficult. And, you know, I was actually considering going to court. That was really where I was at this point. So I happened to be at uh, the National Registration Department in Jalan Luta on another case. Um, and the citizenship office was right next door and I was with the social workers and she said why don't you go check and see what your status is and I just rolled my eyes actually and I said oh, I'm not going to go look and I was like you know if she gets her citizenship I should get a letter you know I didn't get anything so I said I'm not going I don't want to go you know because I just didn't at this time you know it's been six years and really I mean I, I may be an activist and fighting for statelessness but it's a completely different personal thing when it's your own child and I didn't want to go because I didn't want to get disappointed. My social worker literally dragged me um, to the office, and you know, so I gave the registration number for the application, and she, the lady said, she's been approved. And I said, what? And I said, I didn't get a letter. And she said, um, you need to go to um, KDN at the Home Ministry and get your letter because it's been approved. I didn't tell anybody anything yet. Um, for a couple of days, actually, because I wasn't sure. Because you know, we've been we've been there so close, so many times. I think twice before that, where we thought she was going to get her citizenship and that the ministers were going to approve her citizenship, and it just never happened. So I didn't tell anyone because I thought, you know, I'm not going to get anybody's hopes up. I went with the same social worker um, the following week, um, and we went to KDN, and you know, I think I, think I prayed like 21 times in the really fast in the car and then we went in and you know the lady there said um it's been approved here's your you know your policy go to the next building go up to the fourth floor and we went up to the fourth floor and uh they said sorry you need to come back with your daughter <laughs> so i had to go home and then i thought i had to tell her like you need to come with me got to go back to kdm the next day so and she said, does this mean I get my passport? And I was like, yes, it does. You know, and at that, at that point, you know, like I said, I didn't, I was still not sure, you know, and this time it was even worse because I had my daughter with me and I just thought, oh my God, what if, you know, we go there and they say, yes, you have, but no, you can't. Or something's out. I'm like, oh my God, I'm with my daughter now. But anyway, lots of praying. Went up to the fourth floor again. So the lady came out and she said, here you go. Congratulations. She got a certificate. The, you know, the letter to say she got her citizenship has been approved. You're listening to Spotlight on the Morning Run. After the break, we'll hear more from Dr. Hartini Zainuddin 
on the trials of the citizenship application process for stateless children in Malaysia. Stay with us, BFM 89.9. Stay tuned to this BFM Malaysia Day special presented by Masing. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Spotlight on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar. On today's show, I'm speaking to Hartini Zainuddin, the founder of Yayasan Chowkit, on her personal experiences navigating the citizenship application process for her daughter, Zara. You mentioned earlier that there were several close calls in the past when you had your hopes up and then had them dashed. What happened there? Elections what? happened. The ministers got changed. Because don't forget, under 15A, the only person who's allowed to give citizenship are the ministers. Yeah, the minister of home affairs. That's why the home ministers changed. And so we put in the application for citizenship. We hear that it's been approved. We hear that it's going through all the thing and then elections happen and it's the next minister. So we start again. You know, when I think about the last six years and where we've been and where we've come and all the promises and hopes and disappointments, it's been, it's tough. I didn't realize how traumatic it was until I actually held that letter and my daughter was like, Mommy, you're shaking. What difficulties did you and your daughter face while her citizenship was in limbo? Um, health insurance. You couldn't get health insurance because she was not Malaysian. Um, my daughter had really had really bad asthma as a baby since she came home. So um, to go to a clinic was, was okay, but to go to a government hospital was scary because you had to pay a deposit if she had to be be admitted to the hospital. Um, I had an incident this year um, where she fell and she broke her, her arm. And, you know, I was like at the emergency room in a private hospital because I knew it's better than to go to a government one. Um, and I couldn't fill out the registration form because, A, I didn't know where she was born. I didn't know, um, you know, her, her history. Um, I couldn't fill out the registration form. And, you know, there was obviously no health insurance. And finally, you know, one of the nurses there was kind enough and said, just go in, you have an IT, okay, she's your daughter. I mean, I brought, you know, her court papers, I did, you know, all that stuff. And still. Um, so health insurance and health emergencies are really difficult. You have to pay a deposit in government hospitals if you're sick because you don't consider you Malaysian, even if you are adopted by Malaysian parents. Um, education was key, obviously, for the longest time. Um, my daughter obviously couldn't go to government schools. I, had to, I sent her to Chinese private school because that was the only kindergarten school that would take her. Yeah, always the threat, always the, the threat. I know it sounds so ridiculous, but always the threat that the authorities could take her um, because um, she was technically not considered Malaysian and they could detain her. There was a, there was a police stop. I remember she was two and a half years old in a cab. And so it was me in front, my daughter, my mother's helper and my son. And the police stopped and asked for all our IDs. And I didn't have uh, Zara's papers on me. And I just looked at him and I, <laughs> and I just said, I don't have, why would I carry a two-year-old paper? He's like, you should. I said, well, I don't. And I thought, oh, my God. I thought for a second, I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do? But he let us go. So there's always that threat. Then, of course, there's the whole psychological part. Like, why am I so different from my brother? I, you know. Um, why is it I can't go on holiday? Why is it that, you know, I can't leave the country? Why is it that I have to be escorted by an officer when I go to Sabah? We had to write in 
to the home ministry to get a letter, permission letter for her to go to Sabah. She was five years old. And we got off the car and the immigration officer was there waiting for her to escort us through immigration. And when she came back, the immigration officer had to escort us back as well. I told her she was special. I said, you're very important. That's why you're special officers. Because she was five. What was I supposed to tell her? And like I said, and that was a privilege because I wrote into the ministry. That's not the norm. You've been championing reform of the law when it comes to acquiring citizenship for stateless children in Malaysia. So what kinds of indications or commitments have you been hearing from politicians and those in authority on this issue? The government is saying, the Home Minister is saying that he is looking at reviewing the SOPs to apply for citizenship in four different categories. One, where the child has at least one Malaysian parent, um, foundlings, the other other criteria is children who have been adopted by Malaysian parents um, and also children who have been born, born abroad who never registered as Malaysian citizenship. So these are the four categories that I think um, the ministry and um, the different ministers, uh, relevant ministers, have been um, lobbying for. So, you know, um, Hannah Yeo and Dr. Wanandiza from Ministry of Women, uh, Waibi Tio from Ministry of Education. And, you know, everybody's been lobbying with the Home Ministry to try to get the, the, the SOPs reviewed and to make it easier that it shouldn't take, you know, two and a half, three years, six years um, to, 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 to know whether they're going to get citizenship or not. And that, you know, there should be some kind of processes where children not be denied rights, you know, the right to education, health, et cetera, and stuff, while this investigation or whatever it is is going on. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, we've been told it'll be by the end of this year. I'm hoping, I'm hoping um, that it does happen quickly, um, but because we cannot go on like this. You know, we can't, we can't be allowing children to run around themselves, terrified of their minds and having no rights, running around trying to figure out what they're going to do, and parents who really don't have any idea where to go, what to say, and no one's saying anything. Like, enough. You know, we have to stop this. It, it is devastating. That was Dr. Hartini Zainuddin, children's rights activist and the founder of Yayasan Chaukit. For more information on her organization and how they help children in need, please visit yck.org.my. You've been listening to Spotlight on the Morning Run. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. BFM's Malaysia Day special is presented by Massing. Reinvent spaces, enhance life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.